King here with James Bury, and today we have singer-songwriter Lauren McClure. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I have been so hyped for this episode for so long because I, I mean, I don't know. I've known you for so long, and I'm so excited to see where your career's Go taking way you. Back. Yes, yes. So just a little background, everybody. We met in high school. And we were met in chorus class, and now Lauren's a singer-songwriter in Nashville. So what porch are we on today? So the porch that I am on today is actually a brand new porch. It is the back porch, technically, so there's a little caveat there. Not the front porch. Um, but I am on a porch that my fiancé just built in my backyard. So fun. <laughs> oh, shoot. How long did it take him? Like not that long. I mean, <laughs> quite an upgrade from what the original porch was. It was tiny, 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 and now it is rather large. Um, there's like a couch on it and things, so we can just hang out here. It put, took him probably like a week or two. It was not long at all. Oh wow! Okay, it's just tough. <laughs> That's super sick. Well, how have you been? What have you been up to? Oh my goodness, so good, you know, other than surviving a global pandemic, as we all have, um, just writing away, songwriting, I don't do any other kind of writing, just writing songs, um, which didn't really slow down in 2020, I was able to stay busy writing on Zoom, which was fun, because I was able to bring in people from outside of Nashville as well, uh, so I've been writing songs a lot, and as goes the life of a songwriter working a million side jobs to make that happen so teaching bar three is my main side hustle and yeah that's about it <laughs> how did bar three work during covid was it zoom classes did you do any over zoom oh it was such a weird situation so we were closed also sorry my dog barked oh the dog's um, we were closed for six months you were closed for six months <laughs> he can months? join he has, he has he has a lot to say. We were closed for three months, so we are from March until the end of June. Uh, and during that time, we were teaching Zoom classes, which was just the weirdest thing. Like, it was literally me in my living room with my AirPods in, like, teaching a class as if I was in a room full of people. So it was a very interesting time. Um, but we made it through, and the studio opened back in um, June, which was very strange to be in a room full of people again <laughs> you mean last so june or... last june oh yeah. shoot so y'all been so in nashville... person for a minute yeah nashville was like open i mean not really they're open now but like gyms and stuff opened in june which was crazy very soon <laughs> I feel that we I quarantined in North Carolina for the most part, and things are pretty open-ish by June, July, but not at full capacity. Were y'all were y'all at full capacity by then, or is it just like half? No, so that was um, a big thing. Our capacity was significantly lowered, so we used to fit, be able to fit twenty-eight people in a class, which is just bizarre to me because I can't imagine being in any size room with 28 people anymore um but they lowered the capacity to i think it was 11 so it was like under half um so everyone faced out it was as safe as it could be <laughs> well you're still here and i assume most people who went to the gym are still here and okay uh, oh yeah okay that's no We're that's safe. that's all you can hope for <laughs> okay so we didn't come here to, i mean we did come here to talk about bar a little bit because it's something you do and it's interesting but also Tell us, tell us, what inspired you to become a songwriter? Oh, my goodness. So I always loved songs, uh, lyrics specifically. I was that kid that was obsessed with, like, the saddest country songs ever. Like, my favorite songs when I was little were, like, Concrete Angel by Martina McBride and uh, The Good Stuff by Kenny Chesney just the saddest songs but that should have been a clue that I was gonna one day end up wanting to write my own song um but growing up I was obsessed with music I wanted to be a singer I thought because I thought that's just what you do if you like music you want to be a singer 
you want to move to Nashville or LA, New York, you know, one of the music places. Um, so I ended up auditioning for the commercial music program at Belmont University here in Nashville, my senior year of high school. And when I came to audition, we went to show at the Blue Cafe and four songwriters were playing their huge songwriters. Uh, Claire, Morgan McKenna, Barry Dean, um, and then I think, I can't remember the last one, that's horrible. Um, but that was kind of my first interaction with the songwriting world. Uh, I was able to see them perform these songs that I love, that I've heard on the radio all the time, but I had no idea who these people were. It turns out they were the voice behind them. And so that was kind of my first glimpse into the songwriting world. Just being like, wow, you can write songs, you can be the music, but you don't have to be the one who's a brand and traveling around playing shows and stuff. I was never really like a show person. So it just made so much more sense. So I came home from my audition, wrote my first song. I think you were there when I played my first song at the Breezeway Cafe, Grace. I'm pretty sure you were there. It was. Um, (gasps) I remember that. It was. Which song? (laughs) No, wait, it was the one about you and your friends in high school, right? That was the first one. Oh, I still yes. listen to that song. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's a really, it's a really sweet song, but it's hard to listen to sometimes because it makes me so sad. Because sometimes I, I miss, I miss those moments, and it makes me sad that we don't really see each other as a group anymore. And it's, it's life, but it, oh. it's hard to listen to that. It's a beautiful song. Y'all should all check it out. What's it called though? Because I. Oh gosh, it's nowhere to be found anywhere. I have erased it from the interweb that's that's fair enough fair enough maybe i can't find it i have the ep but maybe because it's maybe if you deleted it i don't have it anymore i wouldn't know yeah i think if you bought it you probably still have it and could blackmail me with that whenever you want but if you didn't you missed it sorry (laughs) it is a beautiful song but i understand being critical of your own artwork yes just releasing the first song that i ever wrote was a very bold move 18-year-old Lauren was, um, you know, fearless. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a callback because she's a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, Obvious. <laughs> yes. But, like, who is it? James, do you want to chime in? I'm not. I'm an Olivia Rodrigo, Rodrigo fan. There you go. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed with Olivia Rodrigo. She's, she's so good. She's totally, like, modern pop, but she's not, like, high. She's not doing oh, the, yeah. She's not doing the hyper pop thing. And like, you know, totally. her stuff is also very early Taylor. You know, she pulls a lot of very mm-hmm. super hyper emotional, but you know, it's not, it doesn't have the same energy and vein as Taylor does, which is why, even though like we've spoken before, not all music is for all people, but why Taylor doesn't connect with me is in addition to her content, her music isn't for me. Olivia. Mm-hmm. Her content's not for me, but her energy and her music, I, you know, somebody who grew up in punk and, like, stuff like that, her, she works better for me, you know, which is why she's better than Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's fair. That's That fair. makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, that makes perfect sense. Music for I am obsessed with them both. <laughs> that's, that's a healthy place to be. I feel like, I don't feel like I have to pick a side, but I feel like I lean toward Taylor Swift because of a little bit of the nostalgia. Yeah. I like her new album. I just, I don't feel like I connect with it in the way everyone else has been, but I think that's also okay. Like, I don't. There's also, there's also like a weird thing, especially because, you know, when we're dealing with music, it's very emotional, right? So, like, people who were like really into like the Blue Album or like, uh, you know, people who are into like Sgt. Pepper's or when you're older, when you hear stuff that reminds Mm -hmm. you of that stuff, but like, you know, a new somebody young listening to Taylor or somebody older listening to Taylor might not have the same emotional attachment, you know, to Taylor. Totally. It doesn't make I her wish bad. Olivia, yeah, definitely. I wish Olivia's album would have come out ten years ago, whenever I was fifteen, yeah. because I would have lit. It still works. Today, I still though. love it so it's, much. It's still a I great album. Absolutely love it. It still works today. But I will but, say you know, though, I wish I was like sad and uh had just been broken up with yeah, <laughs> like it came at the wrong time in my life yeah everybody's same. giving her like the, the like she's like the next great pop artist thing though and you yeah. know like 
Natalie buys Billie Eilish. This is her first like actual, you know, LP. Not as good as like, yeah. you know, like a Billie okay. or anything like that. No, and it, it didn't like move the industry anywhere. You know, yeah, that, it's kind of like yeah. a product of the industry. It's like a good mix of like Taylor and Billie Eilish and Paramore. It's not necessarily like a new thing Which that's is, making waves. To be fair, Olivia okay. is another not to it's not it's not bad, but she's a Disney. She's from like Disney, you know, the the Disney to pop star pipeline. You know, yeah, it doesn't ruin her totally. music, but it just it is what it is. Oh no. Yeah, no, I can agree yeah. with that. Um, okay. Definitely. What did you think of Folklore and Evermore, and do you think there's a third album coming out? I was obsessed. Oh, my gosh. So good. I feel like that was, like, some of her best songwriting, Taylor. Um, I, I'm i interested to hear, like, how people perceived it, like, who aren't into songwriting. You know, I feel like people who like the like radio hits, it probably wasn't for them. But like, I was obsessed. I thought that was some of her best lyric work yet, for sure. Which, How about you? Okay, so I loved, I think I liked Folklore best, but I liked the flow of Evermore yeah. more in terms of just like, yeah. I didn't feel any like abrupt changes. But Folklore yeah. came out at a time where I was kind of had the summer fling in Boone, North Carolina, which is one of the most beautiful places on earth. And so, like, it was in a folklore-like setting with folklore-like happenings, and it was kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of the pandemic, yeah. so I had nothing else going on other than kind of figuring a few things out. And it was totally. it was really, it was that paired with the album. I was like, I can't not fall in love with this album. It was just too perfect. Seriously. You have to. Yeah. but and It just sounds like summer, but like chill summer, you know? It's yeah. So Which one did you prefer? I liked folklore a little bit better too. There were some some gems on um, Evermore too, like Marjorie. Oh my gosh, I love that song, the one for her grandma. Um, but folklore, like overall, I feel like folklore had, you know, the most. It was great. Would you say that maybe in your early stages of writing that you tried to kind of copy her style in a way? And did you stray away from it as you grew older? Or is it never something you try to implement? Oh, my gosh. So funny story with that. So pretty much I heard this quote that was like, you are the sum of the five people that inspire you the most. That is who you are as a writer, Um, which makes so much sense. Obviously, I had a heavy, heavy ceaseless influence because I started writing whenever I was an 18-year-old girl and what album had just come out probably like 1989 read one of those um so obviously huge influence on me um so I would try to draw obviously inspiration from her but you never want to like copy but I will say there's this big group here called Song Suffragettes they play shows every Monday night um here in Nashville but you have to audition to be able to play and so I had been living in Nashville for one year and I went in to audition and I remember I played two songs for them and the guy who was in charge said, question, how much do you like Taylor Swift? And I was like, oh man, it's that obvious. <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to make some changes here. Um, but yeah, definitely has an influence, but hopefully it's different enough. Okay. For sure. When you were like, <laughs> okay, when you had that, when you had that realization, who did you start listening to, to try and change it up? Oh, gosh. Um, So I'm trying to think back to college days. I feel like I became obsessed with, like, Carol King, which is so random. I mean, it's not random. I'm a female songwriter, so it's not random at all. Um, But I loved her. I loved Sarah Bareilles. She just lyrically has some genius things that I feel like only writers or people who love lyrics and words feel. You know, I feel like it's one of those things where most people probably listen to those songs and don't think anything of it, but writers are like, Oh my God, can you believe she did that? Um, so yeah, probably her. I honestly, it's so funny. I write mostly country music because Nashville, but I don't really listen to country music that often. Oh, <laughs> I know. So crazy. 
when did this happen? Because in high school, I felt like you vibed with the country music quite often. Or maybe it was just because we were all listening to Taylor Swift yeah. all the time. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've always, I love country music. It's just not necessarily what I like turn on in the car, um, which is interesting. I don't know if it's just because I like spend, you know, six hours a day writing it. So I'm like, I just need something completely different. Um, honestly, I drive in silence a lot now. <laughs> Ridiculous. Very serial killer-esque of me. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. If songwriting is your full-time career and your job and your livelihood, sometimes silence is nice. Yeah, it's nice. I'm like, there's too much going on. Just need silence. What's something you've been <laughs> What's something you've been bebopping to a lot lately? Um, obviously Olivia Rodrigo because it just came out on Friday. Um, other than that. I've been loving JP Sex as most songwriters have. He's so, so good. And just he's getting into some amazing rooms as a writer um, and as an artist, too. Him and Julia Michaels are like the songwriting royalty. So it's only fit, fitting that they're dating and they're like the king and queen of the industry right now. <laughs> My roommate loves Julia Michaels and she blasts her sometimes. At least she used to a lot. Her and Phoebe Bridgers in the apartment oh yeah phoebe bridgers you like her i saw this meme that was like i saw this meme that was like phoebe bridgers is taylor swift for people with divorced parents (laughs) okay true (laughs) it's not so accurate that is very accurate i can't listen to her too much because she's so sad and it's just i know it's too much it's too heavy but she's so talented it's so good i love it (laughs) she's so great so what is something what are some projects you've been working on lately that if you can talk about them legally that you've been really excited about Uh, yeah um so pretty much my songwriting schedule it's much more of a business than people think it is like it's not some kind of romantic thing where you're just like sitting around and you get inspiration and you're just like sitting in your room at night and you write a song it never happens like that almost ever um so my schedule is very much like regimented where I'm I'm in a room with an artist every single day it's me an artist and a producer and your schedule is typically booked out for like three months or so so you have five rights a week and they're all set um but artist wise things that I have coming out that I'm excited about there's an artist named Spencer Crandall who is a big TikToker he's very big in the TikTok world um, and he's releasing a song that I wrote with him on Friday, which will be the second one I've had out with him. It's called I Want Nothing to Do With You. It sounds like it's very uh, mean, but it is not. It's actually a love song. Aww. Very deceiving. Uh, yeah. And then there's another one that's coming out on Friday with an artist named Emily Brooke. She was on American Idol, um, but this one also blew up on TikTok. And that's why she's releasing it. Honestly, TikTok rules the music industry right now. Like, if it doesn't blow up on TikTok, it's not coming out. So, if you're a TikToker, you have more influence than you think. <laughs> oh shoot, James, you gotta you gotta get on that TikTok game. He he has TikTok and he like oh, yeah. makes videos. I'm wanted a lot, but I saw since you're like a writer and you're a musician, so and you're on you're obviously you know you're up on the TikTok thing. You you heard about this thing with this oh, yeah. uh, tramp stamps? Oh, I'm friends with them. Are you? Yeah, so I'm glad to hear this because... Very loose, loose term friends. I know them. I'm not, like, close with them. So, the, the but ne- I love, the love neg- them. The negativity around them, so I, just in case you can know, Grace, is that uh, Tramp Stamps is, like, kind of like this punky kind of, I, you know, it's not really for me, but it's, like, you know, white men suck, kind of, like, punk, kind of modern and they started getting a lot of hate for being yeah. like industry plants or something. And I think the negativity focused towards them yeah. is kind of misplaced, you know, because um, they seem to yeah. be, they seem to become totally. like indie artists who make music that I don't yeah. I don't think is very good. But I, as me, I'm a I'm an individual, you know. But like they 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 get yeah. kind of bullied kind of hard. And I'm, what do you think is you know them? What do you think about this? So ridiculous. So honestly, they are like the most talented people like in Nashville. Um, Paige Blue, she's an amazing, amazing producer. Um, I don't really know, I think her name is Marissa. I don't really know her um, 
but I've heard she's so great. And then Caro is an awesome artist. Caro releases music on her own. She has this one song that I've like shown so many people. It's called I Don't Miss You, and it the production on it is insane. She wrote it by herself. She produced it by herself. She sings on it. Like, homegirl can do it all. Um, and so I just, I really respect them all. And so this Tramp Stamp thing, I feel like it's like something they're all doing for fun and it's just, it's cool. And the fact that like it's getting like pushback just means that it's good and it's different and it's, you know, challenging the industry. So very interesting situation. Especially because I, I know Grace doesn't super know about it, but like they're accused of being industry plants, which is like, you know, they're accused of like being put in place by like a big record label and being given funding yeah. when in reality uh for my knowledge some of them work in music and have worked in music but like they're they, they're they're really an independent artist and that's really what tiktok yeah. is it's all independent musicians and artists really just doing their thing yeah. and influencers like bella porsche who literally just like came up with a huge pop song the other day that's like on on just blowing up the world even though i don't think it's that good you know, but like it, it, that works. You know, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a, it's a, it's like the new SoundCloud. It it really is though. Yeah, wow. it really. Because you you get really th- is. you can get three minutes and video. Yeah. Okay. Holding for plane. Holding for plane coming overhead. What you get when you're on the porch? <laughs> wow, I didn't realize TikTok. <laughs> Sounds so silly, but I didn't realize TikTok was that big. I thought it was mostly for kids who thought they were comedians, but that's because that's been my interactions with it because I follow a lot of comedians or people who think they're comedians. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I guess I didn't think they were funny. I just didn't know. I didn't pay attention, but that's that's really awesome. So how many TikTok artists have you been working with? A lot. And it's so funny, just like, hearing artists come into the room and they're like, I really want to write something like this today so that I can put it on TikTok. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the fact that we're ending like our intention to write so that I can put it on TikTok is so funny. But I mean, I get it. It's it's kind of changed the game for artists. Um, The algorithm on TikTok is so good. Like it feeds you only what you want to see. And so until now, I feel like artists haven't really had this access to that many people where it's just like the algorithm feeds these people who are going to probably like the song your music and they've never had that reach before like obviously if you post on instagram unless people are on like the for you explore page or whatever they're not going to find anything new that they're not following already unless someone has like shared it and so tiktok has kind of just like been spoon feeding people like exactly what they like and it's been able to grow artist fan base is like crazy it's wild and people have been getting record deals from it left and right it's wild i'm interested to see though what will happen with all of these artists whenever the world goes back to normal and touring starts back up like i hope and i know a lot of them will be able to like hold their own on stage and like they are prepared to like follow up that viral tiktok with great music and um, like give it all they got on stage and it's going to be great. But I hope that's the case for a lot of them. <laughs> it makes me very nervous. Like anytime I see like something viral just blow up, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be like here and gone just like that. So I hope it's kind of a longevity thing for a lot of them. That's so good. Cause you know, like Dua Lipa made the most money last <laughs> year cause she did all these online like things and these people are talented like Bella Porsche is a good example because she can't really sing, you know, but she put out like yeah. a, like a really good pop song. And even yeah. in the video, like she doesn't really look like she can dance or anything, but it's like really good and has a lot of budget. And on stage, how is that going to like present, especially considering the fact that like Lil Nas X is a star, but he, he uses TikTok yeah. to, he uses TikTok to grow his fan base it, once the mm-hmm. world is truly back open, you know, you need more than just to be a good writer. You need to more than just to yeah. like, you know, and Olivia, again, same thing. The drive-by was mm-hmm. popping on TikTok. It was a super big sound, yeah. you know, and that helps. But she is an actual artist 
who has like a machine yeah. behind her. And, you know, yeah. XX to Tashian, I can't pronounce his name. Like he was a SoundCloud person, yes. But like these people get brands and, you know, uh, they get publishers behind them. That changes it. And like this has been a year, yes, yeah. but it's only been a year. It might not be, that's like the world's greatest point. Like that is scary to think of for some of these artists. Yeah. Yeah. Just hope, hopefully they'll be able to follow it up and, you know, come through with good things after the viral TikTok. <laughs> it seems like the scariest <sighs> part is like you're saying, holding it up. But so when people come to you for songwriting, are you working as a co-author or as more of a ghostwriter for them? How does that work? And do you think that you're going to have to end up writing albums for these people? Not that that's, there's nothing wrong with having someone write music for you, but do you think that's kind of where the industry is going to end mm -hmm. up going in a direction where TikTokers are now having people ghostwrite for them? And then you're going to have a bunch of TikTokers going on tour with these songs. Um, yeah. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm just, I'm curious to see what you think is going to happen. Yeah, it'll be super, super interesting. I'm not really sure how common, like, ghostwriting actually is. Like, I know there are a few artists who, who like, put their name on things they didn't actually write. I don't know specifically. I can't spill the tea on that. But um, for the most part, like, in country music, the artist is very much involved with the writing process. Like, I co-write songs completely. So I... Like, we all split it. Like, if we're writing three ways in Nashville, like, everyone gets a third. It's super fair. Um, so you get a third of the writing credit. Um, I love working with artists who, like, have something to say and who have ideas and thoughts of their own because I feel like if it comes from them as an artist, like, you know that they feel it and you know that they mean what they're saying. It's not just me coming up with some kind of random, you know, as you hear a lot of these, country songs, fear pressure, you know, just like <laughs> the most cheesy titles that no one is actually like relating to or whatever. Um, but yeah, I feel like most, all of the TikTok artists that I write with are artists at their core and like they have something to say. And so I'm not, I'm not worried about them really. Um, Cause I, I know that they're talented writers as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good to hear too. Because yeah. they do have what it takes to back up what they're doing, which is just reassuring. Um, I had another totally. I had another question. I hope I wrote it down because I'm, it's escaping me in this moment. Oh, uh, how do you avoid writer's block if you're writing songs every day? Oh, gosh. There's definitely days where... Like, honestly, my right today was pretty difficult. Like, and you just feel like you're just like pulling teeth for hours and you're like on rhyme zone and you're like, what rhymes with you? And that's how you know it's like a horrible, horrible time. Um, <laughs> but I think there's just such a good collaborative community here in Nashville. And like, you go into a room, I always, there's always three people in the room, sometimes four, sometimes two, but most of the time it's three. And everyone kind of gives each other grace. So if someone's having an off day, like other people are kind of like carrying us through and that just, that's just how it happens. The next time you write with them, you might be the one that's carrying it through. And like some days you're all just on fire and those are the best days because you're just so high about it. But writer's luck definitely does spin. I definitely go through periods where I'm like, all my ideas are trash. So <laughs> I think that's just like what happens as a writer. Um, but I think you can't really output a ton of creativity if you're not inputting a ton of creativity. So I always know whenever I'm going through that kind of dry spell, I'm like, I need to read more. I need to listen to different music. I need to like do something else because clearly I have output in too much. <laughs> I'm just taking yeah. what you're saying. That's a really good motto. I don't know why I've never heard anyone say that. Every anytime someone's like, "Oh yeah, if you have writer's block, just like I don't know, to do ten jumping jacks and drink some water and go back to writing," it's like that's usually what yeah. I hear. But it makes way more sense to go like take a day off from writing and like read a book or fly a kite or I don't know, 
buy yeah buy an ice cream cone. Have a I don't know creative day off. Yeah, you need creative days off so much. Um, they should be. Paid. Have you read Big Magic by? Oh. <laughs> have you read Big, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I have not listened. To oh my gosh. That book is like the creative person's Bible. I've read it like literally four times. My version is like highlighted through and through. You just have to go read it. So she has these, I'm going to like put this in horrible terms. So please read the book. Um, But she has this theory about creativity that it's like a moving thing in the universe. And so like, it's kind of like, if I don't grab this idea and write it, that idea is going to leave my brain and they'll find someone who's ready to write it. And she has like so many examples of that where she's like had this idea for a book and then it's like transferred to a different person and she hears it and she's like, I thought of that years ago. And it's just such an interesting book. But um, for her, interesting that she said, I'm going to like totally misquote it, but she was like, creativity comes and goes, but it's funny how mine meets me at my desk at 9am every morning when I sit down to write. Like, if you have that discipline and you have that, you know, schedule, it's going to come to you whenever you get into that routine. Wow. Maybe, maybe I haven't experienced it cause I've never had a routine, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> um, no, that makes perfect sense. And you have a routine and you have something that you're doing consistently and you're working with people. Do you ever feel a little bit of pressure or did that kind of go away after you've been doing this a while? Um, I definitely feel pressure sometimes, like, I will be going into rooms that I am just, like, totally underqualified to be in. This person has, like, so many number one songs and this many hits, and I'm like, oh my god, what can I possibly say that's going to impress this person? But I have kind of learned to not feel that way, because I don't know, I can't speak for other cities, but Nashville, everything is kind of an equal playing field. There are no real egos, like you don't walk into a room and like have the super successful person be like, what do you got for me kid? You know, like it's never really like that. It's like very collaborative. They want to write a good song just as much as you do. Um, and so a lot of times like the pressure just goes away in that first hour, whenever you're in the room and you're just like learning about each other and catching up and talking through what's going on in your life. So yeah, it's not, too crazy usually (laughs) that's really interesting and not exact not at all how I imagine the music industry but yeah it's really nice to hear why do you think specifically in Nashville it's like that I've heard so I could be totally wrong but I've heard that like other cities like specifically in pop music it's a lot more competitive it's a lot harder to get into these circles um like pop writers typically have like very tight knit circles and um, I've just heard it's way more competitive to get into Nashville is a lot more collaborative. Like I could, I mean, I don't do this, but like you technically could walk up to like a successful songwriter just that you see out of, at a bar and be like, Hey, I would love to like get coffee with you or write with you. And sometimes they'll do it. Like it's crazy. People are, everyone here works their way up. And so everyone knows what it's like and everyone is generally willing to at least like get coffee with you, which is crazy. That is so crazy. And so not, I don't want to say drastically different than LA, but just from my experience in LA, you could find those people, but they felt harder to find, but yet somehow everyone felt within two degrees reach. Like if you needed to find a celebrity, Mm -hmm. you could find them and get in contact with their assistant and and potentially set up a meeting with them but it also felt really far so that's that's interesting and how yeah different but similar yeah but nashville does seem a lot more i don't know i mean they have a cracker barrel there like (laughs) not that that's a good example of community because (laughs) cracker barrel is not the best place ever or anything but i don't know yeah it's just kind of a centralized community here. The music industry is like whenever I went out to LA last year, I had a right. And I was like, so where do all the music industry people hang out at? Like what's the the bar where everyone hangs out? And she's like, 
nowhere. Like everything in LA is just too far. Meanwhile, in Nashville, like the entire music industry will be at like Red Door Saloon, like on a random Tuesday night, and can go and talk to anyone there. It's it's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, that's really nice. It reminds Different me, environment for sure. It reminds me of New York in a way, where. New York is bigger than Nashville, so you might not find a group of musicians mm-hmm. at a certain bar, but you also may. Yeah. And there's different, yeah. I feel like, niche communities or niche communities around where you can find what you're looking for. Whereas LA is just way, it, it is too spread out. And you, yeah. you might run into someone cool, but the likelihood of that happening is slimmer. I think. Totally. Or you might run into a celebrity anywhere, but will you get to talk to them? Uh, probably not. They probably won't want to talk to you because they run into people all yeah. the time. And yeah, yeah. So it's a bit different. People are also they've 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 moved Definitely. a lot to Nashville and Texas. Like Nashville is a place where lots and lots yeah. of artists have gone. Like in the last five years, I don't know what yeah. it is, but people just love Nashville. Definitely. So many people, I feel like, have moved here, like from New York and LA this past year. It's crazy. Nashville's full. If you're listening, don't move here. It's full. <laughs> I remember when you first went there to so college, crowded. and you were like, "The traffic here is terrible. Like this town cannot fit more people, and yet more people continue yeah. to move there. Like that's got to be stressful. Yep. Like at least LA's somehow." Big. It- yeah, I mean, we complain about the traffic here, but it is nothing compared to L.A. or, like, Atlanta. Everything in Nashville is pretty close, so you can usually find ways around it. I mean, I say this, but I also don't have a 9-to-5 job where I'm traveling at rush hour. Like, my ride started at 11 and they end at, like, 3.30, so I'm never in, like, the rush hour time, so I might have that completely wrong, too. <laughs> I also feel, I mean, for my brief time there, when I was on the way to L.A., I felt like I could get out of my car and walk somewhere and then maybe if traffic hadn't picked up, I could just get back in my car and then wait for traffic to pick back up and go on my merry way. Uh, But I don't know, maybe that's not the case. I was only there for like 24 hours, but it was cute and it was, it was, it felt big, but it was small and it, I didn't realize it was exactly how you say it is just felt like a really tight knit community which I think it's yeah. I think it's hard to find in, in in any industry and I think it's really special that you've landed there and that you've been able to find a home for yourself there. Yeah. It's definitely a very small town big city. Like once you've been here for a while you run into people you know at Walmart or Target or any of the places just like we did back in good old Dunn, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun though. No, I what you're saying new york gets small i ran into my roommate once before we were roommates um in the Flatiron district like three years ago and i hung out with him the night before and i was yeah. like is this supposed to happen in new york like is this even possible <laughs> but i know and james you've been here a while so you probably run into people you know my whole life yeah he except does- for except for the two years that i lived in south carolina and in georgia uh and i live in brooklyn and i run into people who have no reason being here, but I literally was wow. walking down the street and like someone that I met in Georgia four years ago was here. I'll be walking down the street and I'll be in the supermarket. I mean, the fact that I live next door to my ex-boss aside, like I run into my, my, oh, let's use bad language. <laughs> I run into my ex-girlfriends like all the time. Oh no. Like frequently. <laughs> it's, like, and I don't mean a little bit, like, frequently you run into old friends. I I have to run away from, you ever do that thing where you see someone, like, I'll be on the train in, like, Queens, really far from the Bronx. Here's an example. Yeah. Adriana, Max girlfriend. Um, I had a guy that I was friends with when I was younger. We were really close. And then I went to the Bronx, and I met this girl, and we dated. And then it turned out that this guy in Brooklyn was best friends with her uncle. And he didn't even live in New York. He lived in Connecticut. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's new york small world that is crazy that is kind of crazy small world okay so i have another question what was your journey like to get to songwriting post-college 
because I'm sure there are other people listening to this right now who well, when they when it comes out we're not live um who are like I want to be a songwriter how did you get from college to songwriting for different people every day yeah so Belmont University is a very interesting place it is kind of like going to Camp Rock it isn't really college it is a strange place but it's a great place um so I kind of fell into the songwriting community there at Belmont there's a whole songwriting major and so I would just like write with all of those people and your kind of web of songwriters grows very fast once you start like collaborating with people that person will be like oh my gosh we should totally write with my friend Ben and then you'll write with Ben and then Ben will be like oh my gosh we should totally write with my friend Emily and then you write with Emily and then it just keeps expanding from there um I get coffee with a lot of new writers here that have just moved to Nashville and they're always like oh my gosh your calendar is booked out for three months like how am I ever gonna fill that and I'm like it happens so fast like before you know it once you meet one person you've met three people once you've met three people you've met nine people like it just expands so so quickly um so for anyone listening who wants to be a songwriter I would say you don't have to go to Belmont you can move here Nashville is such an amazing place like you can go out to shows and go up to the person after and be like hey would love to write with you and sometimes it just doesn't work out and they might not text you back, but sometimes they will. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's very, very collaborative. Uh, there are also like tons of organizations like the National Songwriters Association that will connect you with writers that are kind of in the same playing field as you. And it's really cool because the city kind of like, it rises in classes. So all of the top songwriters right now, we're all friends like 10 years ago when they were first starting out. Like they were the ones waiting tables together and like they were in the trenches together and now they all have number one together. And obviously some people give up, go home, change career paths. But like if you find your people and you stick with your people, like there's no way that you won't all rise together. So, yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful wow you're making me want to move to nashville and i don't even write music Do it. <laughs> I would have, yeah i was pitch. like i'd have no nothing to contribute at all anytime i write i try to write a song i'm just like this is just not this is not this you is, write like beautiful poetry though oh my gosh i appreciate that i do like writing poetry but i like think i like writing poetry because i don't put pressure on myself because like the Furthest, yeah. The most I know about poetry is what I learned in high school. So now yeah. I just have fun with it. And if it doesn't rhyme, I don't yeah. care. I'm just like, it was a poem. It's, it's words put together and it's it it does something. It paints a picture. Um, yeah. But I don't know if it would work to music because there's not really a rhythm to it. And I mean, if you if you ever want to put some music to some words, I say, or put down on paper, I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear what you come up with because I could not. I would love to. I cannot. Should we write a song right now? Um, <laughs> Let's write one right here, live on the air. <laughs> what if we made that a bonus episode? I just need like three weeks to prepare because we okay. can say it's improv. We can say it's improv, but I can't not with songwriting. <laughs> you can you can yeah. write, and then you can play the music, and I can I'll throw in a rhyming word every now and then, or like a, perfect. Yeah. Sometimes that's what my majority sessions are like. So, you know, that's <laughs> great. Have you seen the John Mulaney bit where he talks about how he wrote a song for some big artist? Oh, I forget the name of the artist. Do you, have you seen John Mulaney's stand-up? No, okay. I haven't. Okay, okay. You, should, find you, should, you can find it on Netflix. It's very funny. Um, He tells a story about how he wrote a song with this big artist. I forget who it was. I want to say it was Bon Jovi. And it was for SNL because Bon Jovi was hosting. And he's like, they come up with a phrase and John puts in a word. Um, he puts in, you know what? You just need, you just, just watch it. <laughs> Cause I'm losing the story. <laughs> I'm sorry, Laura. I will absolutely just, look it up. Just, it just John Mulaney, Bon Jovi. It's probably a clip on YouTube. 
basically he talks about right. songwriting with him and how bon jovi just wanted words that rhymed and john was like is this how oh you write songs you just find rhyming words online like that's all you do and it's hilarious honestly not wrong really not wrong <laughs> i was actually i was curious when you brought up rhymes on earlier i was like hmm interesting so that is normal and accepted good to know <laughs> it is absolutely normal like i could not do it without it i mean so you, there's so many rhyme websites and i go to like all of them multiple times during writing sessions there's rhyme zone there's wiki rhymer there's b rhymes and they all do different things so like wiki rhymer will come up with like phrases that have the rhyme and so sometimes like let's say you want to rhyme like dreamer like it would come up with like all of the possible rhymes and then you can like come up with phrases too and it kind of just it allows you to think of things that you wouldn't have thought about because I don't know I would have thought of like a teaser but you don't want that you want something else like and there's a long list of like 500 words that would rhyme with dreamer and then you're just thinking differently it expands the horizons a little bit would you say your songwriting is a lot more phrasy or picturesque kind of to the similar vein of Taylor where she paints a picture with metaphors is it are you more yeah. metaphorical or are you I, would say, I am um not the descriptive picture painting lyric type I feel like I thrive on like the more emotion based songs like instead of just imagining this random picture, I can do that. And some, sometimes that's just what we do for the day. But like it has happened to me so many times. I don't know what it is that I've gone into a write, and the artist comes in and they are just like crying. And they're like, I just got broken up with yesterday. That has happened to me too many times for it to be coincidental. And I'm like, I'm here. This is my time to shine. <laughs> and so we just like kind of write it out. Like there's this one artist who I freaking love. She's the best, but she was in a long-term relationship. And then the first time we wrote was the day after her long-term relationship ended. And so that first day, like she was so mad. And so we wrote this like really, you know, angsty song she was so mad it was called like we ain't friends or something like that and then like two months later we had another write and then she was really sad and so then we wrote the sad version and then like three months later she met someone new and we had another write and we wrote about this new guy and like it was so funny because we just like wrote about the entire progression of all of the feelings and that is just what fulfills me whenever we write something that someone's feeling and you know it feels like therapy for them that's what I love I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tear up now. I mean, not, <laughs> not really, but people at home won't know if I'm crying or not, and it would bode better for the story of this podcast if I did cry. So for the sake of the story, I'm in tears right now. She will shed tears. I am tear. Yeah. I there's, but that that is really beautiful. No, that's I'm really glad that you're doing what you're passionate about because yeah you've been you've been wanting to do this forever and you've always been like singing she would crush and our time to shines which is when you get oh a my solo performance in chorus um our chorus class I said was... sign earlier like, wink. <laughs> oh wait you did i didn't catch it oh no i'm so sorry <laughs> you know what you know what i you know what i did today lauren i what i taught the first um half of the verse of love on top to my boyfriend oh gosh and he liked it <laughs> at least he told me incredible he did. so we're slowly Incred we're slowly learning love on top which is a dance that we learned together in chorus um it's it's the oh, yeah it's the love on top everyone Both knows beyonce's there's no other there's no other love on top but no other one we did a dance in chorus to it it's the one beyonce did um and we would perform it at different venues um which went were, were yeah. mostly parades and <laughs> in our tri-state area back in high school or for the spring show that was pretty much where we performed it but yeah i still yeah. do you remember love on top at all 
Oh, yeah. I remember. I don't remember the whole dance, but I definitely remember parts of it. Our listeners are very lucky that this does not come with video, so we can't attempt to oh, do it right here, right now. Oh, but it could. <laughs> it could, Lauren. It's so easily oh, could. could. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll, we can. The camera's broken, everyone. Oh. What, did, what are you saying, James? You can record this. I thought you were recording it. I'm gonna be honest, but um. Anyway, that's really dope. I'm glad you remember the dance. I'm glad you're writing songs. Um. Oh yeah. What? Okay. This is one of my last questions. Um, okay. What is your favorite song you've written so far? It can be more than one, and if you don't have a favorite, it's okay. But just a song that you've really resonated with over your whole discography. Oh, that is so hard. It's like asking someone to pick their favorite child. Oh, oh no, I'm so sorry. That was that was evil of me. Oh, I'm a writer man. too. I should have known better. It's not. It's not a horrible question. It's. Hmm, I'm trying to think of like the ones that I like play out the most, or the ones that I always want to show people. There's this one song called "It Is What It Was," and I actually wrote it with our hometown in mind um and it's kind of about how like whenever you go back to your hometown every, nothing has changed and it's still you know it's nothing fancy like the hook is like it is what it is and it is what it was oh shit, um, that's good that's good yeah it's it's really it's really cute so that one's one of my favorites um there's another one that's actually out for you that can go listen to it it's called loving you is killing me and I wrote it with an artist named Maddie Larkin. Um, and it's just about being in a relationship that someone is trying to change you and like turn you into someone else. And it's just kind of that realization. Um, but I feel like that, that's one of my favorite ones just because so many people have said that they related to it. And um, yeah, I feel like there's, it's, there's not a word wasted in there where I'm like, ah, we should have done something different, you know? Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So it's safe to say that most of the songs you write are being sung by other people. Have you come out with anything yeah. as of lately? So I do not plan to release anything as an artist myself. I plan to only write for other people. Got it. Who knows? One day down the road, I might release something just for funsies. But for now, just business-wise, um, writing for other people has been my, my main focus. I have some, some songs coming out with Smartest. There's a playlist on Spotify that you can find. It's called Songs Written by Lauren McClam, and I'll be adding to it soon. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's super exciting. Hell yeah. It's so funny, though. We, we write so many songs, and, like, so few of them see the light of day. Like, we literally write, like, over 200 songs a year, and maybe, like, 10 of them maybe if you're lucky get released so it's it's a very funny 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 industry <laughs> i didn't realize that i just assumed all these songs got released so it's like oh no it was so funny like i remember talking to my mom and i was like how many songs do you think i've written and she was like um five and i was like no like 500 <laughs> no <laughs> so funny oh shit that's insane i didn't my bad. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. I'm I'm not surprised by my lack of knowledge of the music industry, but I am ashamed. Um, okay, well now we all know something new that not all songs get released, which oh, no. Wow. Well, Most you, of them never see the light of day. <laughs> do you keep them in an archive just for you or do you just not really care at a certain point? It's just so many. Oh yeah. I have I have them all like on like a Dropbox thing. So at this point probably over 800 or something i didn't start keeping track until like 2017 or i don't know when but um yeah i have them all some of them you know you're very glad that they're not going to see the light of day like sometimes you leave the right and you're like i could never listen to that again that would be just fine and then some of them you're like oh, this artist needs to release it please or like i really want this to be pitched to so-and-so artist and i really hope they release it but is it it's a long game so I know you're not planning to come out with anything, but it, let's say you were. Could you release these songs, or is it illegal for you to release them? I'm not sure how those. Oh no, I could. Okay. 
I could. It's just pretty much the intention of all of my rights whenever I write. It's always me, an artist, and a producer, and, like, the intention is always to write for the artist. Um, so the artist kind of has, like, the unspoken first dibs on it, unless the publisher hears it and wants to, like, pitch it to a bigger artist, in which case we're all like, hell yeah, pass it along, you know? <laughs> okay, I see. I wasn't sure if it was a situation where now someone else owns it. I wasn't sure about the Yeah. Legal oh, no, parts. we all, like, own it. Really. Well, yeah. it just so happens you're friends with a lawyer, a copyright lawyer at that. Right. So, so crazy. You could get out of any situation, potentially, if you were ever mm-hmm. in a situation. That's true. Um, for context, everyone, one of Lauren's friends is a lawyer. She's a mm-hmm. copyright law. She just now, graduated so. from law school yeah. and passed the bar, and we are so proud. <laughs> I saw her announce it on Twitter, and I was, it's just after following someone on their three-year journey through law school and just seeing it off on the outside yeah. and seeing them complete it, it's beautiful. We know. We're at such a fun time in life right now, just, like, seeing all these people, like, Ashlyn, our other principal, she just graduated from vet school, and, like, I remember being five, and I was talking about, like, what we wanted to be when we grew up, and she said she wanted to be a veterinarian, and I said I wanted to be a singer, and I'm like, look at us, we're kind of doing it. <laughs> it's so fun. We're at such a fun, like, transitioning period. It is really. where everybody's landed. Yeah, no, it's really awesome to see everyone end up doing what they said they were going to do, and... I don't think 30 yeah. years ago, people had the opportunity to do what they said they were going to do. And for us to oh, for be sure. fortunate enough to be born where we were born and born when we were born, too, it's just we're very fortunate. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy for you. That's all I have to ask of you today. Um, thank cool. you so much for your time. How can people find your music? You said you you can drop the playlist again on spotify are you on apple music too yes all of the songs that are on that spotify playlist are also on apple music um yeah and you can follow me on the socials at lauren mcclam i always post if there's anything coming out or if i'm playing any shows i do play shows even though i don't release music i do play shows so do you do covers or do you do your own music I do my own, my own music. So we have these things called writer's rounds here in Nashville where you like sit in a line and you take turns telling the story behind the song and playing the song. So I play a lot of those shows. Okay. That's why I was a little confused about you were like not coming out with anything soon. Cause I was like, girl, I see yeah. you posting all the time about I, singing. <laughs> Don't tell me you're not coming out with anything. When oh I God, got on Instagram yesterday and saw you post about releasing something but i was confused and now now what yeah. you're saying makes perfect sense okay so if you want to see laura mcclam play here you have to go to nashville it will be worth the trip um Aww. just so you're just so you know but if you are trying to save money find her on spotify there we go or apple <laughs> music or follow her on instagram just rewind this yeah. re-listen to what she just said description look in the look in the look in the, the notes the description below the episode okay oh, yeah. i'm sorry oh yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna do that look i haven't seen a published episode yet <laughs> just so for context again we're recording every episode before we release the podcast season so oh yeah that's on me i should have known that we would obviously link things in the description but i hadn't seen it yet so that was on me you know we're learning we are we're learning, learning together you that, taught that's me my so much that's today. my job You've both also taught me great. so much today. So fun. Seeing you as a podcast host. This is so fun. I'm, oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> glad you've been having a good time because it's <laughs> it's just interesting. I don't know. I feel like I'm just having conversations with friends. And so I kind of forget there's mics in front of us until I hit it with my headphones. And I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry, James. You're going to have to edit this out later. I was so nervous to do this. I was like, oh gosh, I have no words to say. There's nothing to say, but you're just so such a natural. You make people feel comfortable. Oh, it's great. thanks. Thanks for joining us. I am so freaking hyped to release this episode. I can't even tell you because um, I just, I love you so much, Lauren. And you've always been such a big inspiration to me. And I'm, just, I'm ready for the world to hear this episode. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear all the other episodes. What'd you say? I think the internet's breaking up. I can't wait to hear the other episodes. The other episodes. Oh. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited 
just for this whole endeavor. James is killing it on the producing side. He is the coolest equipment. He is a great podcast producer. If you need your podcast produced, contact James Beery. Um, but other than that, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a beautiful day, and we're going to call it. We're going to say this is the end of the episode. Right. But Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, wait. Do we have the same glass? Oh, we do. Look at that. Oh, Look at okay. That. Just a little fun little cheers. That was supposed to be glass clinking, but it, it wasn't. Um, okay, we're going to. Special effects for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can instant that later. Y'all can't see it, but I'm doing a little happy dance. Um, oh. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Follow Laura McClam. Listen to our music or else we'll find you. And we won't do anything because we don't want to send you any threats as someone who almost got arrested for threatening someone once. But, um. Anyway, bye everyone. Ow. Any clear?